In this episode of Negative Modifier, we were playing the game Cult Divinity Lost. Cult Divinity Lost by design involves content, themes, and situations that may be uncomfortable or triggering for some listeners, and is most definitely not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised, and we really do mean that this time. Hey there, Charlie here. On behalf of the whole cast and crew of Negative Modifier, thanks for giving us a listen. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a rating or reviewing us on your listening platform of choice, or liking this episode if you're enjoying this on YouTube. It only takes a few seconds and helps us find new people to inflict our signature brand of madness upon. If you want to support the show, consider supporting us on Patreon. If you're looking to chat with the cast, other listeners, or get the most up-to-date news about the podcast, check out our Discord channel. Both are linked down below in the show notes. And with that all said... Our story begins in Detroit, in a drab, aging, not quite falling apart, but definitely not well-maintained conference room of the Livernoise Police Station. It is Tuesday, November 17th, 2015, just around 2 p.m. in the afternoon. It's raining outside, the water and mild sleet taps against the window some, it's gray. It's not a lot of natural light getting through. The room has seen better days. Lighting's not been well-maintained, and in front of a small crowd stands Lieutenant Pierce. We join him as he says, I'm going to say this again so that we're all clear on this. This is not an investigation. We have all the evidence we need. The forensics case is strong. We have multiple witnesses as far as cases go. This is open and shut. All this, I'm not sure what the polite phrase for it, so I'm going to call it bullshit, with Franklin Mills is just a great chance to muddy the case up and really fuck up a conviction. Stares directly at Prosecutor Joshua Katz as he says this. Collects himself, kind of pushes himself on the podium again to a more official position. You've all been briefed, you've all been given handouts, you all have all the information relevant to today's activities. Let me recap today's events so there's no questions about how this is going to play out. Franklin Mills will be arriving at 514 South Waring Street at 3.30pm. Once you've completed your house tour, you will all continue on to the Cenobia, which is still, I guess, docked is the correct phrase, at Zug Island. This will all be done by 6.30 p.m., at which Franklin Mills will be returned to the Detroit Penitentiary. As we are all very aware of the events, Franklin Mills' heinous crime spree began at 514 South Waring Street and ended on the Cenobia. You're all aware of the course of events? Buys duct tape, rope, nails, knives. 
family home on 514 South Waring Street Viaduct the porch door at the back. William Bedford, 9, and the neighbor, Lynn Jaskalski, 55, are at home. Lynn has been recruited by the Bedford family as babysitter. Franklin Mills kills Lynn Jaskalski and holds William prisoner. During the afternoon, Franklin Mills vandalizes the house. Tears down wallpaper. Burns up William Bedford's toys and other belongings on the floor of the living room area. Thereafter, Franklin Mills cuts off the legs of the family's dog, Zappy. 1316 to 1318, 17 Powell Street. Colin Thomas, who has escaped, reports the assault and the car theft to the police. An arrest warrant is issued for Franklin Mills and the car is reported stolen. 1530, 514 South Waring Street. Ryan Bedford, 43, is believed to have come home from work at the discount store, Target. Franklin Mills is lying in wait for him. Ryan Bedford is executed under torture-style circumstances. 1642, 514 South Waring Street. Franklin Mills forces William Bedford to phone his schoolmate, Soraya Nadell, and asks if she wants to play. 1700 hours, 514 South Waring Street. Soraya Nadell arrives at the house on her bicycle. 1752, 514 South Waring Street. Franklin Mills leaves William Bedford tied up in the wardrobe on the house's top floor, along with Soraya Nadell's body, and drives off in his stolen car. He is seen leaving by a neighbor, Jerome Allen, who becomes suspicious. Jerome goes over and knocks on the door, but there is no response. He then calls the police and gives a description of Franklin Mills and the vehicle. 1815-1830, 58 Parsons Street. Franklin Mills parks his car outside St. Patrick's Senior Center at 58 Parsons Street, where Janice Bedford, 37, works. He lures her out of the car, knocks her down, and kidnaps her. 1843, 514 South Waring Street. Police officer, Aidan Kostroff, arrives at 514 South Waring Street in response to Jerome Allen's reported complaint. 1843, 514 South Waring Street. Police officer, Aidan Kostroff, arrives at 514 South Waring Street in response to Jerome Allen's reported complaint. He discovers signs of violence in the house and calls for backup, and then enters the house to look for survivors and perpetrators. 1850, 514 South Waring Street. Franklin Mills returns to 514 South Waring Street and overpowers Aidan Kostroff. He takes him hostage and travels southwest in the car, along with William Bedford and Janice Bedford. They drive along St. Ford Street where witnesses lose track of them. 1901, 514 South Waring Street. Detectives Felicia Jenner and Clark Glover arrive at the crime scene on 514 South Waring Street. After discovering the bodies and Officer Aidan Kostroff missing, a statewide arrest warrant is issued for Franklin Mills. Police patrols are dispatched to his home and his workplace. They follow up on the stolen car report. 2013, Zug Island. Detective Felicia Jenner learns through Colin Thomas, while former workmates, he and Franklin were involved with dismantling a derelict ship at Zug Island. 2032, Zug Island. 
Felicia Jenner and Clark Glover go to Zug Island and discover the stolen vehicle on the pier. Felicia Jenner calls for backup and they board the ship. 2043 to 2049, Zug Island. Clark Glover is slain aboard the ship during a shootout with Franklin Mills, who then locks himself in the engine room. When Felicia Jenner finally gains entrance to the engine room, she discovers Franklin Mills in a catatonic state, along with the unconscious officer Aidan Kostroff and the body of Janice Bedford. William Bedford is nowhere to be found. 2049, Zug Island. Police reinforcements, ambulance, and forensic personnel arrive at the ship at Zug Island. Conclusion. Despite a thorough forensic sweep, Aidan Kostroff's testimony, and a search with dogs, William Bedford's body is never recovered. He is presumed dead, either drowned in the river or on the lower levels of the ship, or hidden away somewhere in the rusty hull where the coal and waste oil hides the smell from the dogs. You are all familiar with the victims? The Bedford family. Ryan Bedford, 43, deceased, works at Target. Signs of extreme trauma and torture. Death attributed to blood loss. Janice Bedford, 37, deceased. Works as an enrolled nurse at St. Colonial Senior Center, retirement home. Signs of extreme trauma and torture. Death attributed to blood loss. William Bedford, 9, missing and presumed dead. Son of Ryan and Janice. Signs of trauma at crime scene 1. Body not located at crime scene 2. Other victims. Soraya Nadell, 9, deceased. Playmate of William Bedford. Signs of trauma. Death attributed to asphyxiation. Lynn Jaskowski, 55, deceased. Neighbor and babysitter to William Bedford. Signs of trauma. You've all had ample time to review Franklin Mills' criminal profile.
water over a prolonged period. Martha underwent a forensic psychiatric investigation and was incarcerated at the Long Hill Psychiatric Hospital. Franklin visited his mother at Long Hill on one occasion. Six months later, Martha Mills took her own life. Franklin Mills has over the years held sundry jobs within construction, industry, welding, and dismantling. He has mainly stayed around Michigan. Now and then, he has been arrested for petty crimes and has spent brief periods in prison. On Saturday, August 22, 2015, Franklin Mills returned to his parental home at 514 South Waring Street. There he committed several murders with sadistic features directed against the family who were living in the house. He was eventually apprehended on a derelict ship at Zug Island, discovered in a catatonic state. When he regained the full capacity of his senses, he claimed to have no memory of the events, nor about large chunks of his life. He has gone through a psychological evaluation, but appears unable to understand he has committed the crimes and any possible motives for this. The forensic evidence, DNA, fingerprints, trails of blood, textiles, gunshot residue, footprints, all suggest Franklin Mills' guilt for all attributed crimes. Criminal Record August 12, 1988, theft, illegal sale of copper conductors. October 10, 1989, assault. August 23, 1990, car theft. December 18, 1994, possession of drugs. February 14, 1995, vandalism. August 7, 1995, assault. June 4, 1999, offensive behavior. February 12, 2003, illegal threat. September 14, 2009, theft. August 22, 2015, murder, kidnapping, theft, assault. And you all, in theory, had ample time to read. Looks at Officer Kostroff when he says this. Officer Aiden Kostroff's report. Finds the body of the girl later identified as Soraya Nadel 
is attacked there by Franklin Mills, knocked unconscious with a crowbar. Wakes up in a dark engine room after elapsed time of unknown length, handcuffed to a rusty machine, missing his service pistol. Sees Franklin Mills kill a woman, later identified as Janice Bedford. Because of the injuries and the lack of light in the engine room, it is impossible to confirm whether someone else was there. Slips in and out of consciousness. Later wakes up in the hospital. If you've not gotten to it yet, well, there's not much more I can say about that. Braces himself on his podium some, kind of stares, a mix of tired and angry around the room. Are there any questions? No. No questions. Did I see you in the building, uh, Officer Kostroff? I'm surprised you came today, honestly, given the events of everything. Just here to do my job. Help out where I can. And seeing as you were on leave, that's the one thing you can't do right now. But I understand wanting to be here for this. Well, thanks for having me. Nods at this. Continues looking skeptically around the room. Dr. Domre? Domri. Yes, Domri. Sorry, yes. Uh, anything you want to add to this, given your involvement so far? I know there's probably some impulse to turn this into an extended field trip for your work, but as I said at the top of this, this is not an investigation. We have him. We're just doing this because someone thought this was a good idea. Yes, this... No, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I understand that this is basically, this is just an add-on to your process, but this is an opportunity at least to get into the psychological profile of Mr. Miller, and also just to make sure that everything has been covered, especially if it's going to be one of those things where an expert witness is called. So you'll have all of my reports at the end of the day. He nods at this sum. Yes, I suppose those will be very useful for our indictment of a man that's been incarcerated since August 22nd, 2015. But the more the merrier, I suppose. Anything to fix some of the discrepancies in Mill's alleged activity. And I just kind of look over my glasses. Yes. Those reports, plus, and I just kind of raise my eyebrows, and I head back to my notes. Indeed. Tent scans the room some. As I'm sure you're all well aware, the rationale for today's foolhearted activities is that someone is hoping that maybe this will shake some information about the whereabouts of William Bedford's assumed remains out of Mills. Not to rehash the case too much, but he is the nine-year-old victim, in case your memories are faulty at this point, and while he is assumed dead, we've never actually successfully located his remains, so who knows? Maybe he's still out there. Kind of pauses for a second. As I suspect you all are no doubt also potentially aware looks at Detective Jenner a little bit when he says this, there have been some discrepancies in the case. There is some evidence that suggests that maybe there was a second 
yet unidentified party involved in this. This is not a mission to find out more about that person or confirm if that person even existed. We have him. We should be good. Yes, he managed to beat a polygraph test. Yes, his insanity plea has slowly but surely gained ground, but this should be an open and closed case. I don't need any of you doing something that messes that up. Am I understood? Yes. Yes, sir. Sure. So I'll ask again before we end this, and you make your way to the first crime scene walk. Are there any questions? Not at this time, sir. How long will we be having the security detail, and is there going to be a... How prolific will that security detail be? I'm going to imagine that you're not going to leave us alone with Franklin? Normal procedure in these types of situations, such as they are, are that one or two guards will be involved in the transportation of Franklin Mills. He has been, despite the crimes he's accused of, a model prisoner who just seems to insist we have the wrong man for this, that we're trying to pin some type of crime on him. I do not anticipate Franklin Mills making this any harder upon himself, especially given the, let's say, traction his various claims to having no memory of the events are slowly but surely gaining. The guards will be there. They will also be his transportation. I suspect if you wish to ride with them from the house to the boat, you could possibly do that to get some extra face time with Franklin in the vehicle, but that's up to you. Percy, the man makes my skin crawl, and I wouldn't want to be stuck in a prison transport with him. Again, he's been nothing but a model prisoner, as far as I can tell. No additional crimes have been racked up during his incarceration. Minus the selective amnesia, but otherwise... As much as I might like it to be, that's not a crime. <laughs> of course. Um, yes, I actually will take you up on the offer for that extra face-to-face -face time just to finish up my psychological profile. But otherwise, yes. Why am I not surprised at this? I am a thorough individual with my research. Yes, I suppose that is one term for it. Now, before anyone asks, there is no set timetable aside for 3.30 is when this begins, 6.30 is when this ends. Two crime scenes. That's it. No extra stops. No lunch breaks. No meal. No stopping at a bar. No nothing. If you miss one of the crime scenes, that's not my issue. This We will not be repeating this activity a second time. Kind of pauses, waiting for any kind of comments or thoughts to pop in. Shrugs at this, kind of like, maybe has a little piece of paper, so he kind of ruffles them into a stack in front of him, picks them up, kind of tucks them under his arm. And with that, uh, I leave you all to your own devices. 3.30pm, 514 South Waring Street, Crime Scene 1. I feel like I should say have, I hope you all have a pleasant afternoon, but you'll be around Franklin Mills, and well, I don't think that's possible in that man's presence. And at this point, he leaves leaving you and kind of some other people as part of this crowd still in the briefing room. 
Well, I understand the nature of his position as a the arm of prosecution, but nonetheless, gentlemen, I will be reiterating that I will be keeping a neutral force and neutral observational force within this uh, exercise. Is that going to be an issue or anything else like that? I don't happen to have any kind of prior biases. No. Should be fine. I do hope that you will, nonetheless, um, all remember that Franklin, despite the deep accusations, still has a shred of humanity, and we must treat him as such. I will see you at the first crime scene, then? Sure. Yeah. Officer Kostroff, what is your reaction to someone saying... Franklin Mills has humanity still. So his reaction was just silence because he doesn't want to say anything that could potentially harm the case because Aiden has seen the kind of man that Franklin Mills is firsthand. And that man, calling him a man, actually is doing it injustice. He's a monster. Like, it's the only way to describe him. So, hearing any semblance of humanity, I he almost wants to chuckle at that, if not for the fact that, like, it could cause some weird friction with the people in the room. So he has to kind of, like, keep it in. But internally, he's, like, shred of humanity. He's, he's a monster. The fact that he hasn't been put down yet is beyond me. But... Yeah, that's just kind of the intrusive thoughts coming out for a second. Yeah, it makes sense. He uh, collects himself and and just is ready to kind of just get it over with. Detective Jenner, what's your reaction to this? Again, you have a, I'm not going to say similar perspective on Mills, but definitely unlike the Dear Doctor, you have some front row experience with some of this stuff. What's your reaction to someone using the word humanity and Mills in the same sentence? Jenner has to stifle back a chuckle, and they don't do it well. Jenner seems skeptical about the whole thing going on this with Crosstop and the doctor claiming no bias. It all seems like a really bad joke, and in like a dark humor kind of way that develops from like a hard job that like a homicide detective might have. They find it sort of funny uh, that people are treating it this way. Makes sense. All right. So it's a little bit after two, we'll say around kind of like two Oh five two ten. you have over an hour to make it to the first crime scene. Anything you're doing to kind of prep for this, any type of, I don't know, like, stop you make on your way to 514 South Waring Street? I'm definitely just trying to, like, remain calm. Um, Obviously, I'm, as it is, already pretty shaken, so I'm trying to remain calm and not let things get to me, considering my experience involved in this case. In fact, I'm pretty close to this case, but yeah, I'm just kind of... uh, just trying to stay collected and kind of getting in my own head of like, relax, you're gonna be all right, you're gonna be good, all that. So, makes sense. I will be logging a note of just kind of the 
pseudo-biographical setting of kind of meeting we had just to make sure that I have all the details correct. Um, I will also be logging a audio clip for my personal blog, or specifically my Patreons, that I'm going to be dropping a couple like insights and hints on the way of my new book that I will be publishing soon, um, and that to keep an eye out or keep an ear out for any dates. So with that in mind, Dr. Dahomre, what is your relationship to this case? Obviously, you're the kind of the psychological expert attached to this has been kind of in charge of reviewing the more mental findings and kind of this insanity plea that seems to have popped up, but like it's a bit of a weird reaction to have to, hey, we're going to some crime scenes. Well, ultimately, Dr. Domri is going to be like young-ish, I mean like early 30s or whatever have you, nonetheless is very invested in maintaining a professional appearance and maintaining a professional kind of like engagement because she's a woman in the criminology field specifically psychological criminology field i want to make sure that she's kind of seems a little bit more put together nonetheless the voice note that she's going to be posting is going to be very excited because this is like a career defining moment makes sense I mean, Mazes of the Murderous Mind, my uh, blog, is going to be fucking popping. So. Makes a lot of sense. You didn't have to anything in between during transit, Detective Jenner? Yeah, Detective Jenner drives off and parks somewhere in a neighborhood that's where people are just going to ignore her. And um, she'll spend about 10 minutes there nursing her flask before she reaches under the passenger seat and pulls out a bottle and pops the flask off and puts it away and puts the bottle away and throws some uh, nasty-smelling cinnamon gum in her mouth, and then she's going to drive to the crime scene. Sure. Any thoughts going through her head while she's doing this? Like, that's obviously a bit reckless behavior for a detective. Admittedly, if any day called for day drinking, maybe this one does, but at the same time, like, you are kind of on the job. Yeah, she sees what she's doing, and she is ashamed that she needs the crutch, is what she'll call it. But it's what she needs to get through the day, especially if she's going to be working with a Kostroff uh, and not tanking the case. So uh, she's she's just taking the edge off, and it's it's hard to put the bottle down. So she just needs to keep keep on the edge. Sure. And give me an act under pressure while you're doing this. You're kind of distracted. You are drinking and driving after all. So let's uh let's play up the challenge of this. That's an eleven, a partial success. All right. So you're near five one four South Waring Street. A car kind of jets out in front of you real quickly at an intersection. You're forced to swerve a little bit to get out of the way. And for a split second, you swear you see a child, girl, boy, you're not quite sure, but a small kind of humanoid figure in the road in front of you dressed in a pink jacket of some kind. They're gone as fast as they're there. Maybe they were never there. Maybe they weren't. You're not quite sure. But 
in swerving to avoid something, you swore you were about to hit something else, and turns out there was nothing there. But yes, after that, you arrive. Maybe a tad worse for wear, but not physically, at 514 South Waring Street. All right. All right, so that is Detective Jenner. Anything else in the other two, or just kind of you go straight there? Uh, yeah, just head straight there. Heading there, I'll be uh, checking my phone to see if any of the patrons are commenting or else like that. Just because uh, I'm a state psychologist, so <laughs> I need that extra side gig. Making sure I keep my patrons happy. Would you say you're like texting slash emailing and driving or just kind of like at red lights or checking your phone a little too much? She's young. She texts and drives. Sure. <laughs> so that must get an act under pressure. Success with a 15. I'm really good at this. I've been doing this for a while. Yeah, apparently it's second nature. Maybe it's just the nature of the business. Maybe it's special skill. But yeah, you're well versed in the fine honed art of textual communication and driving at the same time. You should have seen me when I was uh, handling the T9 tech system. I could fucking beep like nobody's business. <laughs> all right, so you all kind of slowly trickle into 514 Waring Street, and as you all pull up, everyone give me an investigate as you park and pull up to the house. 11, partial success for Detective Jenner. I don't see shit. I got a six. Partial success with a 14. All right, so the doctor does not see them approaching, and the, maybe it makes sense the police officer and the detective kind of catch it a little bit too late to do anything, but you are rapidly approached by a van that pulls up next to you, and out of it leaps journalist Kate Dickinson of the Detroit News and camera crew, and they shove a microphone in your face and start rapidly firing off questions at you, whirling on Detective Jenner. Detective Jenner. It was you who originally apprehended Franklin Mills. Do you have any comment on this? Detective Jenner doesn't say anything. She's used to ignoring the press and just kind of pushes past them. Sure. You get pursued a little bit. How does it feel to soon face the man that shot your partner, Detective? You must have some thoughts on this. For a minute, she thinks about turning around and saying something. Off. Handedly, without even really realizing it, glances over uh, to Kostroff before continuing on. So, catching that glance, the crew whirls on Officer Kostroff. Mr. Kostroff, you were injured in the line of duty. How does it feel to return here to where it all happened? Um, sorry, no comment. And and I'm going to try to, like, keep moving. Again, they pursue you. Clark Glover, the detective who died, is it true that he was shot with your service pistol? How do you feel about this? Uh, I, I have no comment. Sorry, I, I need to get through. And I like to start working my way through again. Yeah, sometime during this, Prosecutor Joshua Katz pulls up and they spin on him and you hear kind of a variety of questions that fired off him. What information do you hope to find? Is William Bedford still missing, et cetera, et cetera, any kind of very politically waves his hand and pushes past them, and that just leaves you, Dr. DeHomre, as they kind of whirl on you, trying to find someone to talk to. Miss DeHomre, 
Do you hope this tour of the crime scene will provide you additional insight into Franklin Mills' psychological profile and why he committed these crimes? Unfortunately, I can't talk too much about my research or anything else like that, but not to spoil the case, this is going to be something that hopefully will open up the mind of Mr. Mills and maybe even um, just kind of create a little bit more of a background um, as to what in the world kind of influenced this man to to do this. Kate Dickinson nods along to this. Yes, yes, of course, of course. Um, I have to ask, uh, this is, of course, the house, the the house where Franklin Mills originally grew up. Is there any reason, as a psychiatrist, as a as a doctor of the mind, if you will, why he would choose to return here specifically to commit this crime? Uh, just to clear it up, I'm a state psychologist, not a state psychiatrist. But nonetheless, I think it's honestly something that's going to be a little bit more generational, if you do remember that this is something that is almost a repeat of what Franklin's mother did beforehand, and to be able to kind of open up the pathways and understanding the almost Oedipal uh, learnings of Mr. Mills, um, I think will bring us more insight into this case. It's so almost exactly as you finish talking, a police van pulls up. After it parks, out of its steps, Franklin Mills, along with two police escorts. Seeing all this, the film crew whirls quickly to kind of get as much shots of this as possible. They kind of start to rapidly close on Franklin Mills. You hear them yelling, Franklin Mills, is it true that you do not remember anything? And other questions like, why did you return to your parental home to carry out these murders? Franklin does not respond, and the police kind of try and push past them. Just as kind of quickly as the situation started, it stops as a phone call comes through, reporting that there's a fire somewhere else in Detroit that the team has to go cover, and they load back into the van and leaves. It is roughly 3.36 p.m. The van that Franklin arrives in is a fairly nondescript, boring, white van. Aside from the telltale sense of belonging to the penitentiary, it doesn't kind of stand on anything beyond that, but... Franklin Mills, a 45-year-old man dressed in orange prison jumpsuit, stands there in a quilted jacket. He has grayish skin, he looks emaciated, and he's almost quivering a little bit. He appears confused, it's very obvious he's had a bit of a hard life. He has ankle and wrist cuffs on, which kind of slow his movement, he jangles as he walks after all. He's looking around as though he's never been here before, even though you all know he has very obviously been here. He's escorted by one Preston Miles, sturdy penitentiary worker who kind of has one hand on Franklin's shoulder, slowly pushing him towards the house. Do any of you approach Franklin as he's being guided towards the house? You just kind of wait for him to be let in. I actually approach Kostra. All right. Mm-hmm. Kostra, I just wanted to check in with you. How are you feeling right now? I'm, uh... I'm all right. And takes a deep breath, a little bit like labored. You can tell he's a little bit stressed out at the sight, Franklin, but he's keeping it together, but definitely a little bit more, you know, bothered, if you will. So, but not enough that it's like causing a scene or anything, but definitely like, I guess, purposely taking breaths to kind of like keep focused. If that mm. makes sense. Mm, yeah. 
I just wanted to reiterate just just because that I'm here specifically for m- the exploration or just the understanding of Mills doesn't mean that I'm still not a professional psychologist. If things are starting to get a little bit too much or anything else like that, please do not be afraid to talk to me or anything else like that. I'm not saying that this is going to be more than a professional relationship. Um, I don't know if uh, the police chief had made mention of it, but nonetheless, any kind of need for assistance or anything else like that is not going to affect your evaluation. I, uh, I appreciate that. Thanks. And I, uh, start approaching Franklin Mills. All right. Do you say anything when you talk to him or? Yep. Yeah, I'm going to kind of keep it casual just because I know that there's a security detail and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. Franklin, good afternoon. How are you doing today? Well, you know, Doctor, I've had better days and worse days, but hey, I'm at least I'm outside and not in jail right now, so things are looking up for me as best I can tell. Oh, all right. Are you taking in all the sights fine? Um, anything kind of familiar as you were trying to, uh, as you were going about? I mean, yeah, I remember, I, I've been told I grew up here, and I guess I kind of remember that, but, uh. They're telling me this is where I allegedly murdered that whole family and whatnot, and, like, that's not ringing a bell. If I've been here, it's been years, decades since I was here last. Looks completely different if I even, if I remember it even at all. I mean, especially past maybe 30 years or so, you could always just kind of contact your mother and kind of ask about whether or not this was a place that you had grown up. There is, it's decades. I mean, it's difficult to kind of remember all that. Too many details, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, what was that song lyric? Um, you can't go home or something like that. I cannot say that I am familiar with uh, that song lyric. Can you is. Can you elaborate? Is uh, is it like a 60s band? Is this like something you listened to as a kid? Ah, uh, shakes his head dismissively. I don't know, Doc. Uh, you're, you're the doctor. If you if one of us is going to know what I'm talking about, it's probably you. After all, you should be helping others. Like, that's your whole thing, right? So, uh... No, yeah. Why are you killing us? Oh, Franklin, that's much too inhumane. You, you, you're. We're not here to actively kill you. I'm just making sure that you are. You're you. You're able to see what's going on. I mean, there's these instances that you might be repressing these memories, especially seeing as how this is actually where you grew up. But nonetheless, we'll we'll see. We'll see. But we're not here to kill you. His kind of demeanor shifts a little bit, gets a little bit icy for a split second. Doc, I don't remember being here for any of this. You know that, I know that. I beat the crap out of that polygraph saying that. Kind of shrugs and jangles some because of the cuffs. Kind of looks at you like, what you gonna do? Well, anyone can beat the shit out of a polygraph test with good breathing exercises, but I don't know if you remember, you did beat the shit out of him, and I point to Aiden Kostroff. As he was there as an eyewitness to 
mm, you being here. So uh, let's let's all be professional. Let's make sure that we're uh, keeping our head together. How's your sister? Have you been keeping communication with uh, your family? Kind of looks to you confused and looks at Aiden Kostoff. Yeah, they, uh, they, uh, they told me I met you, officer. I don't remember that. Uh, if even one of the things they said I did, I did. I'm sure I'd remember it. So, uh, sorry to drag you out here for all this. I look and I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fine. His voice is just kind of meek and kind of almost wants to avoid eye pressure and not really like, or not like eye pressure, uh, eye contact. But yeah, he's just, he just is like continuing to try to stay focused and not let the Franklin get to him at this point, or at least the memory of what he saw Franklin do. Yeah. Give me a keep it together. I rolled an 18, keep it together success. Yeah. So for a, Split second, you swear. It looks like it doesn't make any sense, but like you swear Franklin's eyes glow for a split second. They glow? Yeah, and like around the edges of his mouth, it looks like it's got like flecks of dry blood, maybe mixed in with some fresh blood, but like. As quickly as you see this, it all passes. Like, it's split-second, blink-of-an-eye type of thing, and it's over. Maybe it's just how you feel about this person. Maybe it's just being uncomfortable around him. Like, maybe your mind's just playing tricks on you, but, yeah. Probably didn't happen. The uh, the glowing of the ice thing, I... So, my character... Well, I guess, so, Kostoff, for a second, does, like, a, like, kind of double-take head tilt... Um, but tries to not give too much away that he noticed something. Um, and then he like scrambles away pretty quick, not like run off, but like intently walks somewhere a little bit further away from Franklin, just to kind of put a little space between them, but he's still going to observe him at this point because now like something's really bothered him after seeing that. Makes sense. I'm jotting this down. Any reaction to this, Jenner, or no? No, I didn't see the weird uh, eye thing, right? No. Only Kostroff saw that. No, right now I'm kind of just realizing that I might have had just a little bit too much to drink, so I'm like, I'm just making sure I'm keeping it together. Not drunk, but a little more tipsy than I wanted to be. Sure. So you like leaning against the house at this point? Like, how are you compensating for this? I am stood in the doorway with the door open, just kind of leaned on the um, the door frame, looking back at everybody waiting for them. Sure. Yeah. So slowly, Franklin makes his way across the yard with his escort and kind of gets pushed up the steps towards the front door and past you. And as he's passing you, you hear him go, "You know, detective." We're the same. You just don't know it yet. And kind of then gets pushed past you into the room beyond. Fuck you. 